it's a privilege <clears throat> to be with you this morning, but um, I regret the circumstance. And uh, however, for the sake of uh, Mrs. McHenry, we're so grateful that indeed she is in the presence of the Lord and no longer trapped as she has been. Uh, when I talked to Raymond, he suggested that uh, during the Advent season, uh, where we uh, magnify the uh, themes of, um, of hope and peace and joy and love, that uh, he was going to have a series in the book of John, and he thought maybe uh, John uh, chapter 1, uh, uh, verse uh, 14, would be a good place to uh, warm up. So... Uh, we're going to think about uh, the first chapter of the book of John and uh, look at a couple of passages there, and I would invite you to turn there and, uh, and join me in uh, reading uh, from God's Word this truth from the Apostle John. In the first chapter, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in uh, John's Gospel, 10th chapter, we will allude to uh, a passage that uh, will fit into what we're thinking today, thinking about. In chapter 10, uh, verse 10, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we do pray that you would illumine uh, these truths in your scripture to us today according to our individual needs. Uh, we thank you for your holy word, the resource it is to us today as we live uh, as your disciples and under your care and under your instruction, guidance, and protection. Uh, we treasure it. We pray that this would be helpful in your kingdom's work and that we all would prosper uh, spiritually from looking at this. Uh, we do pray that those who can't be with us today because of infirmity or other um, unfortunate circumstances might be able to gather with us again soon and that you would restore them. We thank you for your comfort your healing power, the way that you restore uh, by your mere command. And we look to you to be our uh, uh, teacher 
and our instructor as we gather to look into your word just now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, the Advent season um, and the themes uh, that we mentioned, uh, hope and peace and uh, joy and love are um, themes that magnify the gospel uh, truth. And the gospel is that Jesus was born and came uh, to be a man uh, and dwelt among us in order to save us. We have a Savior who has been delivered to us and who has appeared. And as it says over in the book of Titus, um, uh, the grace of God hath appeared, and that grace of God that hath appeared is Jesus who appeared in a cattle trough uh, in Bethlehem. And as we think about the incarnation, um, I was looking uh, uh, through um, uh, a book that uh, uh, is an exposition and analysis of uh, the Gospel of John by H.E. Dana. He was the seminary uh, professor who um, is one of our renowned Baptist scholars and were, uh, that uh, Baptists of a generation uh, ago were proud of. And he wrote a number of books. One of them was The Heavenly Guest. And it's an exposition of the book of John. And in it is somewhere called to mind another translation of um, this passage of Scripture. And it's from uh, Clarence Jordan. And you may have heard of his translation of the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Matthew entitled The Cotton Patch Version. And uh, we're going to think about the Cotton Patch Version as we think about uh, John's Gospel today. And in verse 14, which is our central text, he says, um, Well, the Word became a man and moved in with us, and we looked him in the face. So the Word now has moved in with us, and if He has moved in with us, He has brought with Him forgiveness and eternal life. But we want to look here in particular at uh, chapter 1, verse 5, where we find the difficulty. The difficulty is that the light appeared and shined, but the problem was that the darkness comprehended it not. So when the Lord Jesus appeared, when He came and moved in with us, He came and moved in and arrived when the household was in a pretty desperate need. Uh, there hadn't been any word from uh, the prophetic um, uh, guidance that we had all through the, New, uh, the Old Testament in about 400 years, and people were despairing of ever hearing again of uh, God's plan for their redemption. And they were being um, crushed by uh, the Roman Empire in uh, many ways and having to uh, live like they uh, dictated. And it, they also were struggling, those who were uh, less aware of uh, their spiritual heritage, by the regimented and legalistic system that the uh, Jewish uh, leaders had imposed upon them. And so it was 
really kind of a dreary situation that uh, our heavenly guest um, uh, arrived in. And so the world is about that same way now. Uh, the world uh, has the same attitudes that the Lord Jesus faced uh, when he arrived in that cattle stall. The world uh, says there is no hope. Uh, we say that we uh, have hope uh, and we have the peace of God. We have the joy of the Lord and we have the love of God which uh, is shed abroad in us. The world says well, there is no real hope, and the things that we uh, wish for uh, may not come true. They don't necessarily come true. And the world says, we've tried this wishing for years and years on end, and it never works. We get disappointed, and even after we get what we wished for, it doesn't necessarily fulfill us. And so um, <clears throat> the emptiness of the world's um, pursuit of meaning and happiness um, is um, unfounded according to the world. However, God says, I am your hope. In uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, Now may the God of hope, the God who is the source of hope, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the world says there is no hope. The world says it's better just to try to satisfy your, your longing uh, materially and forget the spiritual. And God says, I am am your hope. Uh, it's even a little worse today because of our affluence as, a, as a, the world's leading economy. Uh, so far, that is. We may not be that much longer. But, uh, <laughs> but in the world's leading economy, the affluence that we all experience, even though we may be of modest means compared to others in our nation. We're wealthy according to all the rest of the world. And um, materialism has um, displaced the hope that people had for meaning and purpose uh, through their faith in God. And uh, God has been eradicated and, um, and dismissed from our culture in so many ways. And so materialism has become uh, one of the dreary things uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, when he came and moved in and is still with us today, occupying here, uh, that has to deal with and has to face. Well, when I was in college, I, I, I took a bunch of economic courses to get another minor trying to stay out of the draft. And I don't know any economics, but I do remember one statement by Dr. G.G. Rusk, who was our price theory uh, professor, as he uh, was speaking one day. And I've never forgotten uh, this truth because it rares up continually throughout my life cycle. He leaned over in the corner and folded his arms, and he said, gentlemen, 
remember this. It's an irrefutable truth. While mankind's needs are static, his desires are insatiable. And so if you look around and see where the life of the Spirit is in our nation, it's subjugated to the materialism that we uh, so easily um, access. Well, the world is kind of a dreary place because they claim there is no hope, but God says, I'm the source of your hope. And the world says there's no real peace. Um, actually, the absence of uh, unexpected events and turmoil and conflicts and uh, impending threats of various kinds that, that can appear are all too rare and really too scarce to depend upon. And the world at large has, is unable to, to rest in security because of the wickedness and evil that abounds in the world. Over half of the world um, face some threat of slavery um, around our globe. And with uh, here in our nation, we're facing um, an epidemic of, tra of, uh, of trafficking and of all manner of um, stuff that we didn't have to deal with when I was growing up. The world um, has a hard time being at peace when there's no security uh, that can be brought about by government or by, the, uh, by academia or by any of the things that we rely upon typically as a culture. But there is no cessation of uh, conflict around the world. Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of wars forever. Uh, Jesus said that in this world you shall have tribulation. But fortunately in the same discourse, Jesus said, I'll give my peace, not as the world gives, but I give my peace. And his peace is sufficient. Well, the world says there's no peace. Jesus says, I give peace. And the world says there's no real joy that the emotion that we experience and, and the excitement that we might um, uh, enjoy occasionally is temporary and it's dependent upon circumstances and conditions that can change uh, fortuitously. And so uh, joy based on excitement is erratic at best and mankind lives by the notion that uh, the only way that we'll be happy is by being in total control of our lives. But unless you're very young, you've not um, you, you have come to realize that that's an impossibility. So in this world, we're not in control of our lives, and so joy uh, cannot be dependent upon circumstances and conditions uh, that abound in a broken and uh, fallen world. Well, the world says there's no real joy uh, to be kept. Uh, however, God says that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And um, God also said, 
You make known to me the path of your life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. King David found the source of joy, and it was at the right hand of God. And in the presence of God, we find the fullness of joy. The world says there's no real joy. God says the fruit of my spirit is joy. The world was saying when he moved in with us, there's no real love, that love is conditional and um, it's reciprocal. Uh, we operate out of self-interest and mutual gratification and affection is conditional upon being accepted and approved of and so forth. Well, God says, I am love. And we find over in 1 John chapter 4 uh, an exposition of this. He says, who does, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. That's in 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> well, so the household was deeply discouraged and fatigued, waiting 400 years for another word from God without receiving it. And then God suddenly, unexpectedly, moved in with us according to the cotton patch version and we were able to look at him in the face. So there is good news, however. The world denies these um, emphases that the Christian holds uh, to be so dear as a witness to the reality of God, hope, peace, joy, and love, but the really great news is that when the heavenly guest arrived, he didn't come empty-handed. He actually came, and in John 10, 10, as we read, he said, I've come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. When he came and moved in with us, he brought these gifts of, of hope and peace and joy and love. And because he came, the world is a different place. I have a volume, actually two volumes. Um, I've sent money enough to uh, D. James Kennedy Ministries that I somehow wound up with two copies of the book about what if Jesus had never been born. It's a, it's a startling uh, reality. It, you wouldn't believe what dire circumstances, or I guess you would believe it, you would here at Westgate believe that, if the Lord had never been born. It's a great articulation, that book is, of what uh, the state of the world would be if Jesus had not come. Because he came, the world is different, and because he came, you can be different and I can be different. And we can be different <clears throat> because of his abiding spirit within us that enables us to experience hope, peace, joy, and love. Uh, Saint uh, Athanasius, um, I found this in working up this message. I'd never heard of him before. He was the bishop of Egypt back in the fourth century, on and off while they banished him occasionally, and he got to come back and they banished him and came back. 
But he had a great statement that applies to, to you and to me in this context of the heavenly guest coming, coming and moving in with us. He, he said, he became what we are, that he might make us what he is. And so, because the Lord came, he is making us to be conformed into his image. And that's one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to conform us into the image of our Father's dear Son. Well, because he came to live among us, we can relate to God. And what a difference there is if your house guest is uh, the Son of God. And he has come and he's brought us hope by coming nearby. When he came into that cattle trough and then began his ministry uh, after uh, his tenure as a carpenter and began to turn the world upside down and to give uh, yearning people an understanding of what the kingdom of God was like and how he uh, planned to bring it in. Well, when he started to do that, it was obvious that he was nearby. And when his incarnation occurred, it showed how intentional God was to be found um, accessible and not to be distant and far away and unknowable and how intensely he purposed to come and be near to us. Well, when God is nearby, there is hope, and when God is nearby, there is peace, and when God is nearby, there is joy, and when God is nearby, uh, we have love. And these gifts are um, really manifested in our lives based upon how close we get to the Lord Jesus, our heavenly guest. Um, <clears throat> Tim Keller, uh, the late Tim Keller, unfortunately now, a great Presbyterian uh, pastor in New York City and, and brilliant mind and apologist, uh, says it like this. When Jesus Christ comes near, he becomes graspable, palpable, he becomes, above all, personal, someone with whom to have a relationship. Christmas and the Incarnation mean that God went to infinite lengths to make himself one whom we can know personally. The Incarnation, Christmas, means that God is not content to be a concept or just someone to know at a distance. Do what it takes to get close to him. Christmas is a challenge as well as a promise about fellowship with God. Well, <clears throat> how many gifts brought by the heavenly guest, hope, peace, joy, and love, how many gifts uh, do you want to receive, do you want to access? Well, that's answered by how close you want to be 
to the heavenly guest, to the Lord Jesus. And <clears throat> the good news is that James says that when we draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to us. So if we want to get close to him, he's going to get close to us. Well, the arrival of the heavenly guest requires a proper welcome. Uh, he came into a dreary circumstance, but he came bearing gifts, and he has arrived uh, <clears throat> to the um, ignorance of the world at large when he got here. But with the help of the twelve that he chose, um, he has changed the tenor of our prospects for eternity. And he came and became flesh to dwell among us. And he came with such sacrificial love and with such yearning for all men to be saved. And he turned people aside and said to them, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. I don't want to get into peripheral issues. My purpose is to come and to save that which is lost. Well, he's here, and here's the issue at Christmas time. When we celebrate his birth and his appearance, the question is this Does he feel at home with us? He came and moved in. Question is, does he feel at home? Uh, the Apostle Paul prayed over in Ephesians that Christ might dwell in the hearts of all of the saints. And the Greek word for that word dwell, it means to move in permanently. It doesn't mean to come in like you're in a hotel room, but it means to come in and move in and dwell permanently. That was the, um, the meaning of that word in that passage of Scripture. And um, it's one thing to visit a person's home or, or to sojourn there very briefly, and it's another, part, uh, another thing to feel totally at home like you belong there. Um, uh, my dad grew up in uh, deep east Texas, and um, uh, he and his family, while they owned some land and farmed it, they really lived kind of like sharecroppers, as most people did uh, during the Depression up there who were farmers. And um, you can imagine how excited he was um, as a 14-year-old boy to be invited by his aunt and uncle to come down to the coast and to spend uh, a number of days. About the farthest he'd ever been from Tenney Hall was center where he was born. And so this was going to be a big deal. So he got to come and uh, come down to the coast. And when he got down there, uh, he was surprised and greatly saddened to uh, discover that that actually what they had hoped that he would do is help them paint their house. And uh, he had thought, well, he'll see uh, some sights he had never seen, see the Gulf of Mexico, 
see things he hadn't seen, but really their, their hidden agenda was for him to come down and help them uh, paint the house. Well, he called his mother and he said, do I have to stay? And she was as hurt as he was and she said, no, you don't have to stay. Uh, you come on back home. And so um, I'm wondering, you know, he, uh, having the guests came and moved in with us, and I'm just wondering whether he feels really at home with the majority of those of us who uh, call ourselves uh, Christians. It's easy to be acquainted with him. It's a lot harder to love him. And the question is, how warm and loving and, and intentional are our regards to our heavenly guest? And uh, the, more importantly, how can we show it? Well, one of the ways that we can show it is to be transformed into, the, into his image. And how are you transformed into his image. You're transformed into his image by reading his word and allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to you as revelation his true identity, his purpose for you, his claim on you, and his will for you. All of it is found in the Gospels and in the rest of Scripture. And Jesus said that we're to be transformed into the image um, or the Apostle Paul said we're to be transformed into the image of his dear son. Well, let me hurry and finally say that the Lord Jesus came to be our sin bearer, but he came to be our gift bearer as well. And he showed up with gifts and his appearance in the flesh is the presence that affords us the hope, peace, joy, and love that we experience as a Christ follower. Now, while he came to reconcile the whole world to himself, that was his purpose. He came to reconcile the world to himself. What matters at Christmas as we celebrate his coming and moving in with us is the fact that he came to reconcile you individually and me to himself. He came just for you. And you've heard every preacher in this pulpit say that Jesus would have died for only you if you were the only person in the world. Did you know that's really true? He came just for you. We can draw near to him, and he'll draw near to us, and that proves his willingness to relate to us intimately, personally, lovingly, and truly. Well, <clears throat> this week, I bet I'm not the only. We don't bet as Baptists. I reckon that, <laughs> that I'm not the only one who got a gift card in the mail from a, a um, 
a retail establishment here in Beaumont, and it was a $100 gift card if I would spend it at their retail establishment. And it said, just for you. And as long as I spend it there, it truly is just for you. But um, Jesus came. He inhabited humanity, emptied himself from his glory, endured the shame of the cross, not to mention the torture of it, and was separated from his heavenly Father to atone for our sins. And he did it just for you. And he did it just for me. That's what our celebration of the incarnation, Christmas, is all about. Well, the gifts that he brought in his incarnation are, are meant for each and every one of us. And so the question is this. Will you accept his gift of eternal life personally, individually? And will you enter into the life that he has planned to you as a result of his coming and moving in to the household? Have you ever individually related to him personally as the Savior? And if you'll accept his gift of salvation personally, he'll give it to you. That's what he came to do. The guest has arrived. We celebrate it every year. My question is this. Um, are you abusing him as uh, my dad's aunt and uncle did when he came to visit? Are you loving him as family? That's what he deserves. Or are we sometimes just accommodating him until we need him? This Christmas season, let's reevaluate how much we welcome him into the household. Let's evaluate whether we just accommodate him until there's a really urgent need that we can't handle ourselves. Or do we interact with him in delight daily, consistently, devotedly, in awe as an act of worship? consistently communicating with him our love for him, our need for him, our thanksgiving for him as he has come to dwell among us.
as it were, to move in with us. We're going to have a verse of uh, invitation or two. And uh, Jeff is going to be standing over there under the cross. We're going to have a time for you to consider whether or not you've ever related actually, personally, individually, intimately, and accepted what the Lord Jesus came to offer you. And if you have, um, it's also a time for you to come and um, share your need of the things that this church can give to you in support of your ministry, uh, your needs, uh, your spiritual development, uh, anything that the Lord has laid upon your heart this week uh, that may have uh, come to mind just now, uh, you're welcome to come and receive the resources of Westgate Memorial Baptist Church and its loving members. You come as we have our verse of invitation hymn. Let's all stand together, and as our deacons of the month and their wives move to the back of each aisle, if you need to pray, if you need to seek out somebody to pray about the guests that came to provide this wonderful gift to us, then just go ahead and move right now. As we sing together, Emmanuel. delight to be in the house of the Lord this morning, even with all of our technical issues. It's so great to have you here. One more announcement that we didn't make is that today is the first Sunday of Advent, as you see by the lighting of our candle, and there are Advent prayer guides for families that are out in the atrium, so if you haven't gotten one as a family and you can go through that together each week as a family, be sure to stop by and pick one of those up. God bless you. Have a great rest of the week. See you back next week. <laughs>